Mike Lynch is the minority leader in the Colorado State House, where for the first time in history, his party, the Republicans, were in the super minority. Still, they were able to stymie a couple of bad bills, but in the end, they just walked out in protest. I'm John Caldera, president of Independence Institute. This is the audio version of our television show, Devil's Advocate. You can watch that program by going to youtube.com, searching for our channel IITV, which stands for Independence Institute TV, or just go to thinkfreedom.org. You're gonna like this discussion. It still feels great, the session is out. The legislative session, that is. So whenever you're watching this, we've recorded this uh, about three or four days after the session is out, whether you're watching it on Channel 12 or on the podcast, on any format or on YouTube. But we're still trying to get fresh impressions. And the guy who walked out of the session, the minority leader of the House, Mike Lynch, thanks for being here. Yeah, glad to be here. Was it just a potty break you guys needed all at once? Is that what that was? Was Was it a tantrum? You just had enough? I, I thought it was spectacular the way um, you all walked out at the same time. And it wasn't, it wasn't a tantrum. You guys didn't have a chance to have a word in edgewise on the most important bill. At the very last hour, there was, I've never seen anything like it in the three decades I've been watching this. So why don't we go backward a little bit, set it up of, of what, what happened. For two years, you guys were supposed to fix the problem after we repealed, foolishly, the Gallagher Amendment. Everyone now in Colorado is freaking out over a possible 30% to 70% hike in their property taxes. There was a reasonable solution being drafted. That was killed in committee at the beginning of the session Seven, eight days before the end of the session, the governor drops House Bill or Senate Bill 303. You guys don't get it until the last hour in the House, and then you don't even get to discuss it. What what happened? Yeah. Take it away. Well, you're exactly right. The, the, this issue is not a new issue. It, it was an issue that the property taxes were going to be impacted from the repeal of Gallagher. That, that was not new. That's That, that happened in 2020. So this is not, not a new issue. Uh, we actually brought legislation that actually put that on hold, uh, House Bill 1054 by Lisa Frizzell, who is a county assessor who might know a few things about this. We're literally one of the only few people in that room that really has a firm grip on what was going to go on. So she did the good thing and, and drafted legislation. When you say put it on hold, you meant kept basically Gallagher in place, at least temporarily, so our taxes wouldn't go exploding until Correct. you brought together what we used to call stakeholders uh, and, and said, all right, let's just keep it here, keep it the same way until we can get a process going to figure out what we're going to do permanently. And it, it actually had an increase in it too, a 10% increase. So it wasn't like the, they were just you know stopping at zero. So it, it actually included an increase. So a, folks, a, pretty, a huge increase, a 10% increase in our yeah, taxes. Yeah. Versus versus what we're seeing now. I mean, I don't, I don't know about you, but my, mine literally went up over 100%, more like 150% for me personally. Really? And it, maybe they, maybe this is some evil plot from the county that doesn't like me or something. But um, yeah, so it, it's it 
my phone blew up with people as they were opening those envelopes. Um, I firmly believe this is an issue that, that will, will turn the tide for these guys. Uh, finally, when you um, take away rights of folks, but, but when you get to the point where you uh, are hitting their wallet as hard as this did, uh, folks are, are waking up and going, oh, wait a minute, how did we get in this position? And, and we want to remind them of who's in charge. Uh, and, and how we got here is from 10 years of Democrat rule that is finally coming to roost. And quite frankly, we, uh, you know, speaking to Senate Bill 303, you know, we went into the session going, how are they going to try to kill Tabor this year? I, I want to bring, make sure we're all on the same page. Yeah. 303 was the governor coming in on a white horse saying, right. we're here to rescue you from these explosive property taxes. Oh, my God, we're here to rescue you. And with a week left in the session, let me drop this hydrogen bomb of an answer, yeah. which basically says, we're going to steal your Tabor refunds, relabel them property tax relief. So take money out of your wallet on this side and give it right back to you disguised as property tax relief. Right. Call us heroes. Look, we solved it. Right. It's just a shell game. Correct. And, and, and the, the strategy around it was, you know, interesting. It, we didn't hear anything about this bill until we were hearing from constituents. They're like, oh, my gosh, this is a problem we've got to fix because my property tax just doubled. Um, so the timing was not by accident. We could have could have introduced this bill in the beginning of session and and dealt with it like we would any other bill, which is. And, and you did. You, you had your yeah. assessor. You had a bill at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. In committee. Yeah, and the basic dynamic of how things were going the first part of the session was, well, we're just not going to pass anything that's Republican. Uh, so, so you know, the first few weeks of session were, well, we will not give any any Republican uh, a bill, even the, if it makes complete sense. And hers did. Uh, it, it, it literally allowed the time to be taken to deal with this issue properly. Um, I mean, that was a solution brought with somebody that actually had an experience in that area. And um, so that, you're, was, that you're, was pushed aside right away. You're in the super minority. Yeah. I mean, never before in Colorado history has there been a super majority yeah. Democratic rule in the House. So it doesn't matter what you do. These right. are the numbers. You know, they have the they have the whole power to do that. And they have power to override anything the governor wants to do, at least in, in your house. All right, right, please continue the story. Yeah, so so that we, we offered solutions early on. I mean, I think that bill died in the first three weeks. Uh, and then it wasn't really brought up until literally the last week of session. Uh, when we're up against the wall, uh, there's really no time to, to, to really vet the bill. Uh, there, it was just, it was done and here you go. Uh, they said, oh, this has gone through, you know, 200 different stakeholding sessions. I immediately text all my members and said, have any of you heard of any stakeholding about this bill in your districts? And, you know, to a person, no word of this being stakeholded at all. Um, so, but, but that's, not, that's not the only dirty game that was played. Then uh, on Saturday, literally, this bill did not exist. Saturday, 72 hours before we're done. Uh, Precisely in the three, you have to have three days to get a bill through, precisely at the time that you can introduce a bill, the absolute last bill you can introduce, 1311 comes along, which is uh, the normalization of those tax returns that are coming, or that, that tax refund that's coming back to the citizens. So, um, you yeah, know, let, when, let, let, let me slow this down to yeah. speak English, because the, this, is, this part is 
complex but really important for, for those watching at home. So like the, like the guy in the football game with the yellow pen that does this. And right. so, so uh, there's a bill that says, all right, we have to refund our Tabor refunds. If we do nothing, they get refunded in this tiered system, and therefore the people who put more money in in taxes will get a larger refund. Duh, that makes sense. There's a normalization that says, let's do it like we did last year. That even if you paid no income tax at all, even if you paid nothing in taxes, even if you got lots of money in welfare and paid negative taxes, you, everybody's going to get the same amount. You're going to get 700 bucks. In this case, it's going to be $661. Let's pass this bill. So with three days left, they drop a bill that says everybody's going to get the same. All right. There's pros, there's cons. It's, it's, it's a bill that should be worthy of debate. There's good and bad. And to sure. be honest, there are parts of that I really like because it lets every voter know the importance of Tabor. Right. What I don't like about it is that it's redistribution. Right. All right, so they drop this bill. And as you know, when there's a bill being dropped, well, that means that we all get to see the bill. We all get to testify on the bill. We all get to read the bill in advance. The press gets to see the bill. It goes through the process. So we all get to see it beforehand so we can look at it and our, our guys at the Independence Institute can look at it and go, well, this is good, this is bad. And people can weigh in on the process before it gets to committee. And when it's at committee, people can sign up and testify on it because that's a democratic process. We don't have secret bills in the state of Colorado. They do that in North Korea. They don't do it here in Colorado. So they drop this bill with plenty of time for people to see it and debate it. And the bill number again is? 1311. All right. So they dropped yeah. the bill, 1311, with plenty of time for people to see it legally. Right. Well. Right? Uh, not time for people to see it, but legally they dropped it. What do you mean, I mean with not people time well, to see it? Well, I mean, a, a bill of that nature should be dropped with weeks for people to, to look at it. But you had plenty of time to see it before it went to committee, didn't you? Uh, no. What do you mean? You're the minority leader. Yeah. It goes to committee. You must have been aware that it dropped before it went to committee. Um, hours. So hours. They were. They were. They were literally dropping this within the exact deadline of three days. I talked to reporters who said they were halfway through the committee before they even were aware that it was done. Yeah. They only had one person testify on it, and that right. was the person wrote it from the Colorado Fiscal Institute. Mm -hmm. I can only imagine what the press would do if they found out the Republicans were in control and one of our guys right. were the only ones to testify. Right. Well, this has a special caveat to it, which is this doesn't go into effect unless Proposition HH, which is really Senate Bill 303, passes. So it is, it is a clear bribe to the citizens of Colorado to say, you're not going to get this normalized tax return unless you vote for this proposition. Um, I, think, I think part of this being the last minute idea is that they felt that there's gonna be pushback. They, being the governor's office, felt there's gonna be pushback. And what if HH doesn't pass? We need, we need an insurance policy here. We need something that will, that will further motivate folks to vote for Proposition HH. Um, and so they, they dreamed this up at the last minute and said, ah, here we go. Well, we, we, we may lose some of the upper income voters, but we're going to get all the lower income voters for sure because they want their money. 
So it was a clear bribery scheme to the voters. Without any time for any citizen to read the bill, to weigh in on it, to testify on it, without even time for the press to read it. This is how government in Colorado now works. The most important issue of the session, of the last two sessions, gets dropped within minutes of the deadline for it to happen, where nobody can even get a sense (laughs) to see it, including legislators. Right, true. It's kind of terrifying, isn't it? Well, what's terrifying about it is we have three branches of government, and one knows better. The other one's just trying to get its way, and that's the governor. Uh, bullying this through, saying, look, this, this will happen because, well, I'm the governor, so therefore you must do this. Um, you know, very disappointing that the leadership of the House and, and the Senate didn't stand up and say, wait a minute, we, um, you know, we're part of this process too, and oh, by the way, we're the voice of the people, not the voice of uh, what the governor wants. So, and he knows that 303s, uh, you know, this is a legislative term, but a crappy bill. It's a crappy way of doing this. And so he, um, you know, he said, well, I've got to get this thing across the line. So just kept on throwing stuff out there. Let's keep in mind, he also has the authority to go, guys, if you don't get it done in time, I can bring you back in a special session right. to, to do it right. Well, to, and to prove them, to, to prove that this is what they were doing, I took the initiative to write an amendment that said, why do we have to tie this to Proposition HH? So I wrote an amendment that said, no, no, this, this goes into effect immediately. Let's normalize this stuff now. If we're going to do it, if this isn't truly a bribery mechanism, so I, you know, played chicken with them. Of course, I don't want that bill to pass, but I think I knew how that was going to turn out. So I ran an amendment that said, this doesn't need, this isn't dependent upon Proposition HH. Let's just do it. And of course, they figured out a reason why that, uh, why that was not necessary. So, so the policy itself of normalizing that tax return or that, yeah, that, that tax refund is not what they're really after. They very clearly must tie this with HH because I, I gave them the opportunity to, let's just make this happen for all of Coloradoans now. I gave the best argument I could about, about equity and about how if we're going to do this, let's, you know, Let's, let's, let's truly be equitable. Let's think about the lower income citizens of this state. And so I ran that amendment. Um, and sure enough, they didn't want that one to pass. So it very clearly is tied as a bribery scheme. So in other words, Coloradans, if you pass this uh, thing, which steals your Tabor refunds right. to give property um, tax relief, then you can have your Tabor refunds this year. But if you do this, you're going to lose your Tabor refunds in later years and forever. It Correct. takes your Tabor refunds yeah. forever. Yeah. So it may you, take a couple of years. But it'll take it, a couple it, of years, but it's gone forever oh, and ever and ever and ever. Without Amen. the voters ever weighing in on it, really. really. I mean, they're weighing, they're weighing in on the front end, right. but what they're not voting for is the destruction of Tabor, but yet they are. So what, what you'll really be voting on this fall is, hey, $661 in your hand this year, and if you own some property, a tiny tax relief. Right. In exchange for never having tax Tabor refunds again, never having any Tabor refunds yeah. again. Yeah, normalized or not. Right. Right. <laughs> It'll just be... So really, and and in a a world of immediate gratification, you mean I can get 
I can get 660 bucks now? You know, yeah. Guy next year, uh, that's his problem. Right. All right. You still haven't explained why you walked out. Well, so throughout the session, uh, you know, they've got two-thirds majority. What, what more do you need? I mean, they, they can steamroll any measure, um, any measure that requires two-thirds vote, uh, ballot initiatives, what, whatever they want to put out there, they have the ability of doing. But that wasn't enough. They, uh, they had to create rules, the rules that were not implemented when, you know, the, there was not a two-thirds majority. When the, when the vote was very close, they still didn't use these rules. Um, you would think that, you know, you'd use rule, uh, so let me explain the rules uh, to be more specific. So rule 14 limits the debate on, um, on, its, on the second reading when the bill comes to the floor and every member has an opportunity to, to comment on the bill. Uh, that's called second reading. Well, they can, and, and a tactic, or one of the tools we have is to talk to those. And we did. We talked, every single member of my caucus would go down and talk on a bill. You know, if these were such great ideas, why didn't all of their caucus come down and sell us on why this was such a great idea? But they would never get over five people that would come to defend a bill, two of them being the bill sponsors. Um, but we would have every single member of our caucus come down and talk intelligently on what was in that bill. Um, and, and sometimes that took a while. You know, so be it. That's part of the process. Um, and so Rule 14 limits that debate on that second reading. So to implement that rule, the, the second that the rule is called, there is a, a minimum of one hour that it can be talked on, but they can set a time on it. So what caused them to do this is that when the first gun bills came through, we talked till 7 a.m. in the morning, and they decided that that was that was not healthy and it was dangerous. You know, it was not good for the members to be there that long. And, you know, God forbid they work and, and really discuss the bills. Um, wait, so, wait a minute. I remember as a kid watching Jimmy Stewart uh, and Mr. Smith goes to Washington yeah. and he's there reading the phone book and this was how America worked and this was a thing of patriotism. And again, I've seen that many times in the state capitol, yeah. many times. I've never seen Rule 14 used. How many yeah. times was this used this session? Uh, we, we were up to 18 times. 18 times. Yeah. I've heard reporters going, what the hell is this? Has this ever happened? I've never yeah. heard reporters go, has this ever happened before? Right. And again, they've got, they've got the, not just the majority. Supermajority. They have a supermajority. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well. How many votes does it take to, to implement Rule 14? It's a simple majority. Right. So they've had that plenty of times. Yo, they've never sure. used it. For sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Even when the margins were way closer than they are. Um, so that, that kind of was a shocker to them that we, you know, we ran through till seven o'clock in the morning. But so they've they, got the right to do it. Sure. It's right there. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, it, I will tell you that this was in their mind before we started. So before we ever, before we ever had that lengthy debate, they were considering this. In the discussions before we kicked off the session, it was thrown out there. Um, so they've been planning this all along. Uh, in, the, in my conversations with the majority leader, she said, well, you know, there is this rule. Um, and so, it, well, okay, I mean, you're in charge. What can we do? Anyway, and then there's another rule that is called Rule 16 that's used when we're, when we're getting ready to push the button. So debate is, is um, limited on those debates to 10 minutes per person on, that, on those bills. Once again, we would go Is down. that third reading? That's third reading, okay. yeah. For those so, who don't know, 
was first reading, and that's in the committees. Committee. Is that right? yeah. Second reading is on the House floor, and then after that, it's very quick. Third reading, yeah, and then the bill is passed out of the committee of the whole, right? Yeah, and okay. it's it's tradition, or it has at least been the protocol for the last few years that, you know, you really don't go down on third reading. That that's if you've got to do an amendment because something was spelled wrong or. Um, Some, yeah, there's, there's a technical error in right, the bill, and this right. needs to be changed, and you put in an amendment and fix that. Right. Well, but when they limit us to talking on seconds, well, we feel we should take all the time we need to on thirds. So we would go down, 19 members, times 10 minutes, 190 minutes on bills. Those was the max we could do on those, so we would run those out. Um, so then they started digging through the rule book. This uh, Rule 16 was not mentioned prior to the session. But then they started digging deeper into the rule book and said, wait a minute, what else can we pull out here to shut them up on third reading? So once again, um, you know, it's, it's one thing to kind of silence voices, but when you silence the voices of representatives in the House and that are, that are really carrying the voices of, in my case, 83,000 people, you know, distill it down into my voice and you're cutting that off. Um, you know, you can do that in Rule 14. They, they did it, and then they said, well, it's not enough to just do that. We need to make sure that they shut up on third reading as well. Um, so that, that's Rule 16, which then immediately stops all debate, and you have to vote. Why'd you walk out? Well, Rule 16 uh, was, being, was being voted on. So the, the, for them to implement these rules, they have to be voted on. Uh, once again, simple majority. Um, here we are on a bill that we had seen in the, in the chamber, you know, the day before. This is Senate Bill 303, which will become Proposition HH. Um, and they were running amendments to it. Well, so it, these amendments were a further, a further bribe to the voters because it excluded uh, fire and EMS districts from, from re reducing their, their taxable, um, the money that comes back to them. And so once again, they're like the insurance policy of the insurance policy of the of the bribe of the tax return wasn't enough. Now we we discovered that some fire districts and EMS are going to be upset. So we got to bribe them as well. So we're going to cut them out. That's what the last two amendments basically did. And so we were debating that because we would like to know you know how this was stakeholded. Um, and and we were you know obviously going too far into that. And so. They rule 16 uh, that on, on thirds as well, on Senate Bill 3. So they did a substantial change, if I'm, if I'm reading you right. Yeah. So they did it. Yeah, and you said, wait a second, you, you're, you're doing a substantial change on third reading. This is all technical, so I'm sure people... And they can do that in the last three days. So that's what made this different. You couldn't make substantial changes unless the rules were suspended, which they do for the last three days. So they, it wasn't just a technical amendment on thirds anymore. Now yeah. you can do a strike below on third reading if you want. Um, but these were substantial amendments that they were putting on there. So that's out of that's out of whack for the way the process works in general because the rules. And are that's suspended. when you decided to up and leave. Um, correct. Uh, so they they uh, rule sixteen that on on one of the votes, and then they were rule sixteening to not have debate on the next amendment because we obviously took too much time on the first amendment. There was two amendments associated with this. So by the time they did it the second time, we just said, um, you know. It doesn't matter. There, the outcome will be no different other than the color of our name on that board. Right. And so it's a Colorado night, a nice sunset. We're going to go enjoy the sunset. And it only makes sense because with the supermajority, you know, they've got the quorum. And since they're going, they're going to silence you anyway. Right. They're not going to let you speak. Why be there and, and, right. and just be registered as saying no to everything? That's all right. that's going to happen. You've got a little thing on your, on your desk. And all you're going to be able to do is vote no. Just right. click. 
And so being absent on the board or no on the board doesn't change anything. Correct. It made, I want to get this in. In their victory parade afterwards and saying getting things done, which they they got too much done. Right. <laughs> uh, Representative Vigil said that you there's a bunch of you guys, men, who are very, very bad men who want to kill them. Yeah. Uh, who want to kill at least some of them. I'm trying to figure this out. This was a hell of an, hell of an accusation uh, that she said in public, in the microphones, that you Republicans are very bad men. I just keep hearing the guy from Seinfeld, very, very bad men, Jedra. <laughs> All right, so you're very bad men and you want to kill them. You want to murder them. So how bad are you? And why do you want to kill them? <laughs> yeah. And, and which ones specifically do you want to kill? And I'm very curious about the method of murder you plan on using. Right. So I, I, I don't want to ask the time and place because that, that, that would make me <laughs> an accomplice. So I don't want to be an accomplice. <laughs> Who are you going to murder? How will you murder them? Yeah. You know, that, uh, that is a that, nice... That is just the ugliest thing. I, this is yeah. how loony beans this government has become. So yeah. just weigh in on this for me. Well, I mean, that's a nice uh, crescendo to the whole session, if you will. Uh, the whole thing's ran by emotion. The whole thing is ran by, uh, uh, you know, facts that don't exist, um, trumped up charges uh, of, of them being abused and them being neglected. And uh, even though they're in two-thirds two -thirds majority, right? So. Uh, how are we inflicting anything on them, really? Uh, and, and it, I mean, it really just speaks to kind of the way we're legislating now, which is through emotion and fear tactics and uh, disingenuous debate on real live issues that affect every Colorado. And, and so they, they have to go to their safe place, which is to accuse uh, others of, of potential wrongdoing or just to bring it to a visceral level of, of there's an emergency that they're going to fix, and that is this, this racist, uh, homophobic, uh, uh, wants to murder people with their guns sort of attitude. And You think that's what, I mean, you can't get into other people's brains. You, you don't know what she was thinking. You don't know yeah. what, what, what she's really feeling. She's trying to express something. Obviously, she thinks you're bad and evil, and you have hurtful, murderous intent. Yeah. What do you think she thinks? That you hate minorities and yeah. you, you hate gay people and that you want to kill them? Yeah. I mean, is, I, that, is that what you, you believe she meant? I, you know, I, I have no idea where she would come up with that. Uh, it's surely not founded on anything that we, we did or said in that. To, to include the ridiculous... Uh, conversations that happened outside of the Capitol through tweets. We, you know, we, we did not spend a lot of time on Twitter, whereas you could get a play-by-play -play from a number of their reps on what was going on, um, how our racist rants were going on on the floor. Um, so, you know, I, th I think that that's really kind of a nice summary that, you know, that they, we're, let's take this as far as we can and, and uh, accuse them of trying to kill us. Uh, it, 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 it's sad. I mean, you know, I'm saddened for the state that we're down to uh, whatever we can get out on a on a tweet to try to in, in 
uh, influence policy. It's it's a bad way of doing business. Um, so, it's great. Let let's dive into the bill that didn't happen. All right. So, what surprised me as well was that this terrible bill, and the governor knew it was a terrible bill. It was an embarrassment for the governor to drop this bill uh, with no real stakeholder. So you're talking about two thirteen. Uh, I'm talking about 303. It was okay, an embarrassment that, that he dropped 213, yep. uh, 303 at the, at the last minute to fix property taxes right. when they caused this problem by putting right. on this ballot measure, the repeal of, of uh, Gallagher, yeah. with really deceitful language. If yeah. you remember the repeal of Gallagher, yeah. con people, because the, the language that they wrote said something to the effect of um, without raising property tax rates, so people thought, if I say yes, my taxes aren't going to go up. Right. And for all these wonderful, warm and fuzzy things. And then if we do this, uh, and so people voted yes, of course. Why wouldn't you right. vote for rainbows and fire trucks and all the rest? Right. And now, they're, now they're, they got conned. And the governor, the governor supported it. And the, the legislature put it on the ballot. And now they screwed this up. And yeah. he knew better. He didn't have to sign this. Uh, he could have he could have right. waited. He could have put this on at the beginning. We could have had a real battle over it, and he still he still has a chance to fix it. If you read Complete Colorado, we found out that well, it's not HH, it's actually II. They screwed up. They screwed up. Uh, yeah. Which one? So technically, he should call a special session to fix it. I have a feeling that they're not going to do that. They're going to ask no. Jenna, our Secretary of State, to try to fix this problem somehow. And my guess is she will. <laughs> that's going to be that's going to be interesting gymnastics to do that. So the one that he did drop a few weeks earlier was two thirteen, a home for every budget. That one didn't pass, right. and it ran up uh, uh, to a brick wall. Why did that one fail? This was the one yeah. that was going to force density. And I've, I've got the press accounts. You were there and watched it fail up close, even though what he wanted came out of the House the way he wanted it, you guys sent it out to the Senate just the way the Dems wanted it, and it died in the Senate on the last day of the session, which that one surprised me. Yeah. Um, Did it surprise you? um, Not really. I mean, the way that uh, the work the Senate did on that bill made it palatable. I mean, not good, but it, it made it palatable. Uh, it went over to the House and, and it became a free-for-all in that committee for what do you want? It was like, it was like being at stock show at the auction. Uh, what do you want? What do you want added to this? What do you want added to this? What do you, oh, oh, you need to be exempted? Oh, uh, Madam Speaker, we shouldn't do this in resort communities? Okay, done. Uh, and the bidding started on that and, it, and that's the way that committee went. Um, that bill had uh, 62 amendments, 200 pages of amendments. Um, and, and now, the, granted, the bill was, it was 150 pages when it was done. Started at 90 pages. That was that was like the 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 appetizer to the main course of 303 of of completely bad legislation. Um, however, the House went too far with their asks, uh, uh, far enough that it it angered the Senate or or a few of the moderate Dems, and they said, no, we can't do this. And those were the votes he needed to, to keep it through there. But there's some common sense Dems that said, wait a minute, this, this just became a, 
a, a gimme fest for the house. And I mean, that, that committee was a joke. We had, a, we, we had one of our members walk out of that committee too and just said, look, this is ridiculous. And he walked out very respectable, one of our very respectable members. Who's this? Uh, Rick Taggart, you know, Fortune 500 CEO that said, okay, um, I'm not gonna play this anymore. And he literally walked out of that committee. Uh, he said, I just won't be party to this, uh, this game. So, uh, but they went too far in the house, uh, which I, you, you can expect that to happen with the loonies we've got in the, in the house. When you say loonies, let me ask you about this part. I mean, we talked about V Hill saying you guys want to kill them. Yeah. You want to kill them, murder them. You're bad people and you want to murder them. It's just, I mean, it's, it's unhinged. Truly, yeah. when I say these, that it's getting unhinged down there, something else happened when you guys walked out. Since they couldn't beat up you and they couldn't throw yeah. spitballs at Republicans, you really got to see the fissure, the true split between the Democrats. Yeah. And it's been kind of interesting. You know, I, I know the press corps loves beating up on Republicans. And let's be honest, it's pretty easy to beat up on Republicans. <laughs> you know, uh, the dysfunction amongst the Republicans is, well, it's, an, it's a soft target. It's a meaningless target now. Right. I don't mean to hurt your feelings. Right. But Republicans have control over nothing in this Correct. state. Correct. So to to beat up on Republicans of you know, they're filibustering, they need to what what there's they have no power. Yeah. Sooner or later, the press, if they want to even pretend that they're doing their job, are going to have to move the spotlight to Democrats right. and the dysfunction among Democrats and what they're doing and the policies that they're passing, and the fights within the Democratic core. And when you guys walked out, finally, it showed the incredible craziness between what's going on. When the Dems caucused, they were yelling at the speaker. I mean, there, were throw, there was a food fight amongst the truly crazed socialist progressives mm -hmm. and the just kind of progressives. It was really crazy. And they were screaming, you, you, you're, you're letting these just regular Democrats have too much power. And these people are going, you're letting the communists have too much power. And <laughs> it really showed something. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. It, am I seeing something that's real there? I know you've been yeah, dealing with, and I'll ask you about it, but you've been dealing with fights within your own party, even though you're a, a super minority. But there's a real fight going on in the yeah. supermajority that I don't think the reporters have yet to really report about. Yeah, well, I wasn't in that room, uh, but I can only imagine. I mean, it's like-, it's like you're, you're down there, gossip yeah. flies at warp yeah. speed. Well, I mean, it, you're right. When we walked out, it was kind of like a cat that had a toy that was batting yeah. around and suddenly it's gone. Right. And now, you know, now it's gonna go rip your curtains down, you know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, and so there, there has been a big fight uh, within their party for sure. Um, there, there's a group, and you can just look at how they vote. You know, you know the people that are that are uh, splintering off from you know the McCluskeys of the world. Um, she's done whatever she can to try to keep that together, um, and you know done a fairly good job up and up until the end there. But but it's this constant looming. Um, 
threat that's over her head, which is new for Democrats. They've never had to deal with this before. They've always had everybody in that seat. Uh, they had complete control over because they can say, we're going to do X, Y, or Z to you because you're only here because we put you there. That is the machine that the Democrats have created in the state of Colorado, that everybody that's in those seats is very calculated and put in those seats, except for this election, where they had some members that, that snuck in under the radar, uh, primarily because of this, you know, this false red wave that came along. These folks were not supposed to win. Hill was not supposed to be there. Uh, Hill's barely there. Hill also oh. is from El Paso County. Hill has forgot where she comes from. Um, yeah, this is a woman who says she wants to, that people want to murder her. You guys want to murder her. Yeah. I mean, she won by, what, 700 votes, something like that? Uh, if yeah. even that many. I don't yeah. remember the exact count. It was but, at five at one point. Yeah, maybe 500 votes. Yeah. And so she's in, she's in El Paso County. Yeah. This is not a safe seat for her. No. And right. there's a lot of them that... that that jumped, they, they forgot how close their elections were. And what they did is they jumped into this, uh, this big uh, progressive party because they wanted to get along with everybody else, forgetting where their districts are from. I mean, we've got uh, Parente from up north. She's got parts of Weld County in her district, and she's standing behind the governor as he's signing gun bills. Are you kidding yeah. me? What a great gift for us. Um, yeah, so they so they've got these folks that, have, that they they like like your suburban housewife down in Highlands Ranch thinks it's cool to to have these views, and so they got they jumped in both feet. Um, the speaker worked uh, well. The, the speaker didn't stop any of their legislation either. That was my hope that that you've got a moderate. Well, keep that position. She still allowed their crazy stuff to occur. Um, so she never clamped down on any of the craziness, uh, though they think so. Uh, you know, yeah, it is all a matter of perspective. Right, right. I mean, the fact that that uh, the assault weapons ban did not pass—that was the beginning of the end for them. There. Uh, How do you mean? Um, you know, that was an EPS bill. That was a completely uh, progressive bill that they, through the process, tried to push that bill as far back as they could. There was a reason that bill kept on getting bounced back, uh, lost a sponsor. It wasn't the, the original sponsors on that bill. Uh, they were, they did not want to run that, uh, the, the, the leadership. But with the gavel rule, they had to. Um, and, and when that died... For those who don't know, the gavel rule says every bill has to get voted on. Correct. And so you can't, you know, the... the Sponsor could pull a bill, but if somebody else sponsors it, it has to get a vote. Correct. Any bill, as right. ridiculous as they may be, and uh, as we saw through this session. Um, so that that caused them to gel together, the, the, a victory. I mean, nothing gets lost there. No bill, no single bill died on second reading this year. Not, not, a, not one. I, I've only seen one in my time down here die. Only one bill died on third readings this year. And then they called it back and repassed it, and it passed. Uh, that was extending lines of credit in casinos. Uh, that died, and then they, uh, through a maneuver, came back in. And re so nothing died. So if everything it, that passes out of committee is a rubber stamp. Pretty much. Yeah. And yeah. why not? Why not? Yeah. I mean, crud. While, while we're going, let's just keep going. Um, yeah, so all <laughs> the work is done in committee, which, you know, those were, those were constrained this year. The, the, even the committees, the, the time limit was, was set on those as well. So when you've got 500 citizens that have come down to testify and only half of them get to testify because they've limited the time, 
uh, for citizens as well. So it's not it's not just us in that building. It's um, it's when citizens come down, their voices were were cut off too, uh, because it wasn't what they wanted to hear. This assault weapon bill failing is a silly thing to be upset about because now that cities have the power to to do it, it's de facto anyway. Right. You know, but but it, the the fissure for me is really, really telling. Yeah. And I wonder how that manifests in a couple of years. I agree. Yeah. Well, so, I, I think next session. Yeah. Uh, I think that that meeting that they had is going to determine a lot. What meeting? Uh, the, the, the caucus meeting right. that they had while we were outside enjoying the sunset. <laughs> um, yeah, that... Uh, let me, let, let me finish it up on, on, on this question. There were several years before the last redistricting where Republicans got more votes in total, yeah. uh, but had a minority in the state house, which meant if you added up all the state house seats and added up all the votes, Republicans actually had more votes. Yeah. So if it was di- redistricted differently, there would be a Republican majority. You know, this, the, but by the same rules of, let's say, the um, Electoral College, people said, well, but he won the popular vote. Right. Well, Republicans won the popular vote over and over again in Colorado, but still kept losing the House because of the gerrymandering. Yeah. You can't say that anymore. Right. Uh, uh, Republicans lost the popular vote, but still, Republicans won, what, like 46% of, if I got that number right, yeah. no, of, right. of the popular vote um, <laughs> in, in House seats. Yeah. But, we, but you don't have 46% of the representation, right. you have what? Thirty percent of the rep- representation yeah. is that about roughly yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and so that's how it's gerrymandered. Yeah. Well, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, I, I mean, the process itself. I mean, I, I still have great uh, respect and faith in that process that occurs under the Gold Dome. Um, where that you're gets, a fool. Yeah, uh, where that gets messed up is when you have these super super majorities, and or or you have such a um, well, you've got people saying that we want to kill him. When you've got that sort of attitude going on within the building, uh, heck no, those voices aren't going to be heard because they they honestly believe that we're out to out to kill him. It, Let me make uh, this statement. Tell me if you agree or disagree. I've been doing this a long time. And I've floated around, since I do mostly issues, you guys have to deal with personalities. It's two different things, yeah. all right? And it's different because I get to weigh in on issues, I run initiatives, I run against initiatives. You have to deal with personalities. And you run, you say, vote for me. And that's a whole different, whole different right. weird ball game. If I had to put one word on this, on this session and what's happened lately, it, the word is hubris. I have never seen more hubris in my life. I have never seen politicians, elected officials, treat witnesses with more insulting hubris in my life. I've never seen witnesses, constituents, taxpayers treated more viciously than I've seen uh, in this session. I have never seen more arrogance by, um, by these social justice warriors running around as 
representatives. I've never seen such smug, pompous arrogance in my life. Yeah. And I grew up in this in this town. I've just never seen a lack of respect for yeah. for citizens, yeah. ever, ever. That's my take of this session. Yeah. Beyond 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 the socialism that they've passed, uh, but the arrogance is unlike anything I've seen. Yeah. That was my takeaway from this session. You? Oh, I, I would agree. Uh, I mean, it's sad, really, to see. Uh, see the lack of respect that they had for the citizens, uh, and and that that played out in committees over and over. We, I mean, we had people. First time I've ever seen it removed. Uh, actually, a constituent of mine removed. Uh, said, "No, you've you've got to leave." I, I because we don't agree with what you're saying. Not because they're rude, um, because they call them on something, and and that was enough. I've seen that create. several times in committee meetings yeah. where committee members would do something ridiculously out of line while witnesses came to testify, citizens, yeah. who said something completely in line and were removed because yeah. they was just in disagreement with what uh, uh, the committee man said. Yeah. I've never seen it, yeah. never seen it. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's just raw power that yeah. they're... That they're uh, and it's starting to corrupt. It is. It, it is. And you wonder yeah. where it leads to. Yeah. Mike, thank you so much. Best of luck. Better yeah. you than me. <laughs> <laughs> Have fun. Enjoy your summer. All right. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this episode of Devil's Advocate, I hope you'll share it with a friend. And I hope you'll subscribe and follow the show. We have new ones released weekly. Remember, this audio was taken from our TV show. To watch it, just search the letters IITV for Independence Institute TV on YouTube for this and many other great conversations.